Well, good morning, everybody. Great to see you all this morning. Amen. On this Sunday in July, June, 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 almost July, July, not somewhere, next month. (laughs) And um, we are at the last part of our series on the book of Revelation, and I hope you've enjoyed this series. And uh, it's a lot of information, but we got through it, amen. And this morning we will conclude our series uh, with the last three chapters, 20, 21, and 22. And um, I believe that, that I believe this is a very important book for us to study, especially right now on the planet. I believe that God really wants us to pay attention to the warning, specifically to the seven churches, and to be aware of what's coming, to be aware of the times that we're in and what He's about to do on the planet. If you are not aware of it, I want you to be aware that God is about to do something great on the earth. And uh, amen. And I don't know about you, but I'm really excited about His return. I look forward to His coming. Amen. Just so you know, when He comes, you cannot hide. <laughs> That's right. All the secrets will be exposed. Everything will come to light. Amen. You can run, but you can't hide. <laughs> Amen. Well, I'm really excited, and um, for those of you that I'm sure most of you know, I'm sure all of you know, but this week, I believe the True Church had an incredible breakthrough in this country because of what took place with Roe versus Wade, and all the glory and honor and praise be to God. Amen. Amen. And I believe that this is just the beginning in the midst of what may seem desperate and really bad, God is on the move. Amen. He is on the move, and, and He is moving. And I mean, we could talk about this all morning, but the truth is, is it's just, it's, it's exciting. It's exciting to see how, how God moves even when we don't expect, or when things are not the way we think they're supposed to be. God is always on the move, and He is always in control. And I'm excited. I'm excited about what God is going to do. But let's get into the Word this morning. Last week, we finished off at the end of chapter 19. And we were discussing the fact that Jesus had returned to the earth. And the battle of Armageddon was taking place. And um, during the battle of Armageddon, we see how the Lord basically speaks and wipes out that entire army. Thousands and hundreds of thousands of people are killed in that battle. But it's a quick thing. The Lord speaks and it takes place. We also see at the end of chapter 19 how the Antichrist and the false prophet are thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone forever. That's, that's where they will spend eternity. Forever is a long time. And we are continuing from that place in Revelation chapter 20. Let's go there. Revelation 20 verse number 1. You all look so beautiful this morning. Thank you, Brett. That's why I like you, man. (laughs) Amen. 
So we're continuing from there. Last week, we saw the fate of the false prophet. We saw the fate of the Antichrist. And now we're about to see what's going to take place with Satan. Revelation 20, verse number 1. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hands. And he laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. So if you wanted to know what was happening with Satan once Jesus returns, after the battle of Armageddon, they will, an angel will take hold of Satan and bind him and throw him into the bottomless pit for 1,000 years where he will be shut up. And I mean that in both ways. <laughs> for 1,000 years because the Lord will set up his millennial kingdom on earth. We'll talk about that in just a moment. For 1,000 years, and for 1,000 years, there will be no Satan or demonic influence at all, which is awesome. If you're a believer, if your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, you will spend that 1,000 years with the Lord here on earth. Amen. There is no question in verse number two who we are talking about. The Bible tells us three of his names, the serpent of old, the dragon, Actually, four, the devil and Satan. So John wants to make sure that there is no confusion. We are talking about the principality or the prince or whatever you want to call him. Satan, the devil, the dragon, that serpent of old. That's who we're talking about. And he will be cast, verse number three, into the bottomless pit and shut him up and, a seal, and set a seal on him so that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been, who, who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received the mark, his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. So 1,000 years will be on this earth. But the rest of the dead, those that do not know the Lord, those whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life, the rest of the dead did not live again till the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Now, those that are outside of Christ, those that do not know the Lord, those, and, and, and this excludes those that make it through the tribulation without receiving the mask, the mark, and without serving the false prophets, so they re basically receive Christ, all the dead will remain dead for 1,000 years. Judgment will only come at the end of the 1,000 years. But you and I and all those that believe will walk with the Lord on this, on this earth for 1,000 years. Then he says in verse number 6, he says, Blessed and holy is he who has part of the first resurrection, over such the second death has no power. The second death, we'll talk about that later on, is where all those who are judged, that do not know the Lord, they are judged according to their works, what they do, and are found guilty, and they will be cast into the lake of fire forever. They experience what we call the second death. A believer does not experience the second death. We are not judged 
according to our works the same way that they are judged. We are not judged because we are saved by grace. Amen? Not of ourselves, but it's the gift of God. It's because of Jesus that we are saved. And so we don't get judged for our eternity because of our works. Works do not get you to heaven. Let's say that one more time. Works do not get you to heaven. It is the gift of God. Jesus died and saved you, and that's why you're going to heaven. Not because of your works. Your works will determine how you spend eternity. But you are going to heaven by grace and grace alone. Amen. He says, blessed and holy is he who has, has part of the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. This is a true dispensation, 1,000 years that will take place. We call it the millennial kingdom. It will be just as real as what you see on earth right now. God will set up a theocratic government, and Jesus will rule that government. I can't think of a better president. Can you say amen? I can't think of a better leader of the nations than Jesus himself. Jesus said, I do not judge, but my judgment is true. His judgment is true. He will handle things in the best way. And listen, I want you all to know that I will be in Jerusalem during the millennium. So if you want to look me up, you'll need to come to Israel. I will be there. I don't need crowns and stuff. I just want to be where Jesus is. Amen. The saints, you and I will be given responsibility and rewards in rulership according to our spiritual commitment and our stewardship while we were on this earth. Again, let me be clear. Your salvation is a free gift to you. It wasn't free. It cost Jesus his life. But to you, it's a gift. But the way you spend those 1,000 years and beyond that is determined by what you do with that gift. Are you with me? Remember the talents. Jesus gave talents to his servants, or the story is a master gives talents to his servants, and they go out and they use, they come back, and the, the ones that multiply those talents, that use those talents, he says, enter into this joy of mine, and he's going to give them great rewards. But the ones who don't use their talents, that don't use what God has given, he basically says, that will be taken away from you. Amen? So we know that it's very important the way that we live our lives. Jerusalem will be the center of government in the kingdom, in the, in the new millennial kingdom. And it will be rebuilt and it will be glorious. During the millennium, there will be prosperity for the nations, glorious peace and Christian activities. We're going to do fun stuff, man. Come on, for a thousand years, we're going to do wonderful things here on the earth. Not another earth, this earth. So for those of you that have earth phobia and are worried about coming back, you'll be here for a thousand years, then you'll be sick of it and you won't want to wait for the new kingdom to come. You'll be excited about the new heavens and the new earth. But it will be far better than anything you've ever experienced before. There will be prosperity, there will be peace, knowledge and understanding will abound. You can read that in, in Micah 4, 3 to 4, Habakkuk 2 verse 14. Human life will be prolonged and the glorious saints ruling at the time 
will obviously be immortal because you have already received your new body. You will be an immortal being. Amen. Oh, it's awesome. I can't wait. You, some of you are like, please, Lord, not yet. Don't come. I'm like, Lord, come. Come. <laughs> Changes will occur in the animal kingdom. Animals will not be tearing each other up, and your, your kids will be able to play in the, with the animals. I'm talking about wild animals like cobras and snakes and lions and stuff like that. The Bible is clear that during the millennial kingdom or the millennial reign, the Passover feast will be observed. This is in Ezekiel 45, verse 21 to 24. The Feast of Tabernacle will be, will be observed as well. Zechariah 14, 16 to 19. And then you will say, Pastor Alex was right. It's good that we celebrate the feasts. Because when I get there, I will know what to do. Amen. So that's why the Bible says the feasts are mine. And we celebrate them. We don't celebrate them in the traditional sense. We celebrate the meaning and the power of them. Are you with me? And they are powerful. They are wonderful. And so during the feasts, remember, you'll know where I am. I'll be there. You can call me and say, Pastor Alex, I'm coming up to Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles with Jesus. Oh, can you imagine? It's going to be awesome. For 1,000 years, this will take place on the earth. It'll be glorious. Verse number seven. Now, when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations. So the nations will repopulate. Life will continue on the earth. Those that made it through the tribulation and those that, are, that, that came through that did not receive the mark, they will begin to repopulate the earth. They will continue to live on the earth and repopulate the earth. And what will happen is there will be, we, from what we see, there will be no death at that time. Life will be prolonged. And what will end up happening is at the end of the age, Satan will be released from his prison, go out to try to deceive the nations. And the Bible says, which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, whose number is as the sand of the sea. It's hard to believe, isn't it? That people will once again rebel against God. So stop blaming Adam and Eve, because this will be a new dispensation, a new time. And the nature of man, unfortunately, is a wicked thing. Even while the King of Kings and Lord of Lords is ruling out of Jerusalem. Can you imagine? However, it will not last very long. For verse number 9 says, They went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And that was it. And verse number 10 must be one of our favorite scriptures. And the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So the devil, Satan, the serpent, the snake, whatever you want to call him, the deceiver, he will go, the accuser, he will go into the lake of fire forever. He will not bother you again. He will not come after your children again. He will not threaten you again. He will not accuse you again. He will be shut up forever. 
and he will spend eternity in the lake of fire. And don't feel sorry for him. Oh, shame the poor devil. Oh, he can go to hell, man. He wants to kill your kids. He'll take you in a heartbeat. He knows what's coming. He knows that's his destiny. And he desperately wants to take you with him. He will do everything in his power to destroy the likeness and image of God, which is what you have been created as. You are what he is so jealous of. He can't handle you. He can't stand you because every time he looks at you, he sees the creation of God in his likeness and image, and he can't stand it. So don't feel sorry or shame, you know, the poor devil. There's nothing, no shame. No, no poor devil. The Bible says he goes before God and accuses you day and night. Every time you slip up, the devil goes to God and says, See, I got him again. Look, look. But we know by this time that's already ended. But at this point, it's over for him. He's gone. He's done. And yes, I am very excited about that day. I am very excited about that day. Amen. Verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and heavens fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead and great standing before God, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works. This does not include you by the things which are written in the books. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead. So all those that were dead, that were outside of Christ, were brought up for judgment. And the Bible says, and they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And unfortunately, Anyone not written or anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. I don't exactly know how that judgment will work. What I do know is that no one's works will qualify them for salvation. It doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't get you saved. And what's important is that if your name is not written in the book of life according to Scripture... It says that you will be cast into the lake of fire. This is very hard and should be a rude awakening to each and every one of us. For those that we love, care about, friends, neighbors, anyone you know, even your enemies. We don't want any of them to spend eternity in the lake of fire. Guys, eternity is a long time. We, 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 we say life is short, but the reality is 80, 90, 100 years, 70 years, whatever God gives you on this planet, some younger, some old, older, the reality is, is it seems like a long time in some way. It's nothing compared to eternity. And from our understanding, there is absolutely no way back because the Bible describes that the torment that will take place there will be forever. So we need to become far more 
vigilant, excited, and, and, and evangelistic towards those that we care about. Well, you know, I don't want to offend. Well, offend who, man? They're going to go to hell. Do you understand? They're going to go to the lake of fire forever. What are you afraid of? Be bold. But don't do it in an arrogant, prideful way. If you minister to someone out of desperation for their soul, they will see the love of God in you. Amen. Amen. Revelation chapter 21, verse number one. Now I saw a new heavens and a new earth. So it's the end of the thousand years and God is about to bring in the new heavens and the new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth have passed away. Also there was no more sea. Now don't panic. Many of you are like, oh, I'm never going to see the sea again. You won't care about the sea, man, when, you're in the, when you see the new heavens and the new earth. When you see how glorious it is, there is nothing from this earth that you'll go, oh, well, you know, I really used to enjoy playing with ponies or whatever it is that you do. You're not going to need to worry because your activities and the beauty and the majesty and the things that you will do in the new heavens and the new earth will far exceed anything that you could ever think or imagine. And you must understand that the poor writer, John, I, I actually feel sorry for him from the point of view of how was he supposed to describe what he's seeing to make sure that we can kind of get an idea the beauty, the majesty, and twice, we'll see in just a moment, twice, maybe it's once, but it seems like it could be twice, he actually falls down and worships an angel because of what he's seeing, because of what he's been shown. It's so dramatic and so profound and so powerful that he actually falls down, can't stand what he's seeing because it's so much. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. Hang on for that. Then I, then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. The reason why it gives us this image of a bride is because of its beauty, because of the way that the city will look. It will be overwhelming. When I saw my bride come down the aisle, I actually didn't see her come down the aisle because I was too, too many tears, but I saw her when the door opened. And it was so beautiful. And just so you all know, I think she's just as beautiful today. I think she's just as beautiful today. Amen. Okay. That was for you, my darling. <laughs> I remember that moment, though. And that's what it will be like for you when you see the city of Jerusalem coming down. It will be absolutely glorious. Verse number three. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. Oh, man, that's enough reason to shout right there. And they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Listen to me. He's not saying that you're going to go through bad times in heaven until this moment. He's talking about the former things, the old ways, the old life has passed away. And life with God in the new kingdom, in His new heavens and new earth will be glorious. There'll be no pain. There'll be no fear. There'll be no tears. Can you say amen? Can somebody say amen? Come on. <laughs> 
Verse number five. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write these words. Write, write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. That's so beautiful. Verse number seven. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. And I will be his God and he shall be my son. Then he says in verse number eight. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, uh, abominable, uh, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now listen to me. Just because you told a lie doesn't mean you're included in that group. Am I saying it's okay to lie? Absolutely not. Don't do it. It's going to cost you. Down the road, if you lie, one lie becomes a second lie, becomes a third lie, and you can't come back from it. So don't lie. But most of us, especially you guys, have lied before. <laughs> He's talking about those, those that have not been saved. Again, it doesn't give you reason when you are saved to do these things. But the reality is, is that just within that list, I doubt that anyone anyone would survive outside of that list or has not done at least one of those things. So your only saving is the grace of God. So be grateful for it. Be thankful for it because it really is the gift of God. It's wonderful. He says, Murderers, sexual immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me and talked with me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, and her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, crystal, a clear as crystal. Also, she had a great and high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates and the names written on them, which are the names of of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. Israel will forever be remembered. And what and Israel's legacy and what she did and who she was will forever be remembered in the new Jerusalem. Verse 13, three gates on the east, three gates on the north, and three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. Now the walls of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Listen. The foundation, Scripture is laid on those 12 apostles. How many of you know the, the apostles' doctrine, what they teach? That's what we lay our truth and our beliefs in. Can you say amen? Somebody say amen. And even, even the Bible even tells us that, that the foundations on them were the names of the 12 apostles, that, that the walls of the city had 12 foundations. Even the foundations in heaven will have their names on it. Powerful. Amen. Okay. I'm not going to, let's just move on. Verse 15. 
And he who talked with me had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates, and its walls. And the, the city is laid out as a square. Its length is as great as its breadth. And he measured the city with a reed, 12,000 furlongs. Its length, breadth, height are equal. Then he measured its wall, 144 cubits, according to the measure of a man. That is of an angel. Now, let's stop there. First of all, I want you to try and understand, as I've already explained, that he's trying hard to give us a picture of what he's seeing. And to try and write everything down must have been extremely difficult. To try and remember everything you've seen must be extremely difficult. But there are some clues here as to a few, uh, 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 to, for a few things. The measurements that are taken, scholars, there's, there's a few arguments about this, but the majority seem to agree that the length of the New Jerusalem will be around 1,500 miles in length. That the square footage will be approximately the size of the moon. Now, this is not the new heavens and the new earth. This is just the new Jerusalem, where I will be. Don't you forget that. <laughs> so it's going to be an enormous place, and it's going to be absolutely glorious. And he's actually going to tell us now a little bit of what it looks like. He says in verse 18, the construction of its walls was of jasper, and the city was pure gold, but then he says, like clear glass. So it's pure gold, but almost like you can see through it. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation, so the foundations were laid in different stones. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh chrys chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysophorus, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. Now that's a whole lot of precious stones right there. And again, trying to describe what you're seeing must have been very difficult. Verse 21, the twelve gates were twelve pearls. So the twelve gates literally were twelve pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl, and the streets of the city was pure gold, like translucent glass. So again, he describes the streets looking as though they're gold, but you can kind of see through them. The nations, verse 24, and the nations of those who were saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day. And there shall be no night there. So in other words, the gates will never be shut. Don't worry, man. You won't need to sleep. Relax. It says there'll be no night. Maybe you'll sleep in the day. I don't know. But the reality is there'll be no night. And I, really, I believe that really just more symbolizes the fact that there'll be no fear. There'll be no dark. There'll be, there'll be none of that at night, that insecurity, that unsureness. Because the glory of God will be in that place all day, all day long. No night, so it's just all day, all day long. It's going to be incredible. Verse number 27. 
But there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. There again, you see it. The most important thing for you and I to make sure about is that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Now, he's going to finish off in chapter 22 with a little bit more description. And then he's going to basically commission us and warn us at the end of the scripture. We're about to read the final chapter in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter number 22. Are you guys okay? We're almost done, guys. We're almost done. Amen. And he showed me a pure river of water, of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the middle of its streets and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruits every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. They shall see His face, and, they shall, and His name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Amen. Then he said to me, these words are faithful and true. And the, Lord God, and, and the Lord God of the holy prophet sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. I want to stop there for a moment. We'll get to verse 7 in a minute. He tells John that these things are about to take place on the earth. They must shortly take place. And many of you sitting here might think to yourself, well, this was 2,000 years ago. I want you to understand that 2,000 years ago is shortly taking place. What I mean by that is this is nothing in the span of eternity and in the lifeline of God's time on this earth, and it's absolutely nothing. In other words, it was already at hand there. It is still at hand now, and it is about to take place on the earth, whether it be this week, month, next month, this next year or in the next few years, we don't know. But we certainly can sense that the times are changing. That's for sure. But what I want you to know is that that warning about it being at hand is very much absolutely accurate then and absolutely accurate now. Verse 7, Behold, I'm coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Verse number 8, Now I, John, saw and heard these things. And when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. Then he said to me, See that you do not do that, for I am your fellow servant and of your brethren the prophets. Interesting that he mentions prophets there. And of those who keep the words of this book, worship God. He's the only one. Are you with me? He fell at the feet of another angel, or possibly it was the same, the same experience. I'm not 100% sure. He fell down three times in the book of Revelation. The first time was before Jesus. He fell down and he worshiped Jesus because 
When he saw Jesus the way he truly is, as King of kings and Lord of lords, he was completely overwhelmed. And if you've been throughout the service, this, the series with us, you'll remember that day when I shared that. It was very powerful. When we get to see what Jesus will truly be like, he's no longer a suffering servant. He truly is the King in glory and majesty with eyes like fire. Can you say amen? And that's who we serve. He is our King. And when John saw this, he fell down in absolute shock and just was completely overwhelmed. Then the second time is with an angel, one that, 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 that takes the seven bowls and shows him some of these things. And he makes the statement, the angel, he says to him, see that you do not do that. He says basically the same thing for, I'm just one of your brethren. I'm just a servant. He says, for the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. The spirit of prophecy, revelation, an unveiling of Christ, an unveiling of things to come. The spirit of prophecy, the Holy Spirit. And here again, he says, listen, I'm just one of your brethren. It's the prophecy. It's prophetic. One of the prophets revealing things. But there's nothing special about us. That's what he's saying. It's all the king. So worship no one. Don't be impressed by anybody with their gifts, with what they offer. That's why the Bible says that an angel will come as an angel of light and people will fall down and worship them. Don't do it. There's only one king. There's only one Lord. And those angels would not receive that worship because they understand that everything they have comes from the king. It comes from him. And listen to me. It belongs to him and him alone. He will share his glory with no one. So whether John actually did fall down to two different angels, or if it's the same one, I don't know, okay? But most certainly the language is very similar. Verse number 10, and he said to me, do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. Listen, it's your choice. Verse number 12, and behold, I'm coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his works. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. But outside are the dogs and the sorcerers and sexual immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. Verse 16. This is one of my favorite verses. I, I Jesus, the next two verses. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I want you to see that all that has been written must be given to the churches. And listen to me, not only then, but throughout the ages. We need to know what was written in this book. We need to know the warnings written to the churches and what is going to take place on the earth. You need to understand that the only one who holds your life in his hands is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And there is no other God besides him that will decide your fate on that day. Can you say amen? Because when you read this, surely the fear of the Lord will come upon you.
He says, I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. Verse 17, and the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of this prophecy, of, of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Amen. And that is and concludes the book of Revelation. Now, he says in verse 20, surely I'm coming quickly. And then he says, even so, come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. We, his church, should be excited and anticipate the coming of the Lord. Because I can assure you, there will be nothing more wonderful than that. The warning in this book, in this book, the book of Revelation, is really like a trumpet. And it sounds and should awaken each and every one of us to several realities. One, what happens to those that do not know the Lord, whose names are not written in the book of life, and let me tell you something, like it or not, get angry about it or not, believe it or not, I can assure you it is going to take place. The devil knows it. He knows it. He knows it's coming. He can't stop it. He knows it's coming. The other thing is that for you and I that do believe, it should cause an urgency to come upon us for those that we love. Not arrogantly, but really out of a desperation to see them saved and serve the Lord. There are family members that I have that I desperately want to see them walking with Jesus so that I have an assurance and know that their names are written in that book of life and that they will be with the Father in heaven and come and visit me in Jerusalem. Amen. That's my desire. There is no one that I know, friend or foe, that I want to see in that place, the lake of fire. I want to see everyone turn to the Lord. In church, there are many out there that are broken, addicted, hurting, abandoned, that do not know Jesus. And you might be the only Jesus that they will ever see. Minister his love to them. Minister his heart to them. Well, what did he do? Can't you see what he's going to do? Listen, he gave his life so that you wouldn't have to experience that. 
that was written and the judgments that are coming so that you cannot experience that, so that you can be in the new heavens and the new earth with the Lord forever and forever and forever. Amen. So, there is another thing. In your walk with God, there will be seasons that you will go through, and I can assure you, you will go through these seasons where you, where you grow weary, where your walk becomes difficult. It shouldn't be that way, but it happens to all of us. We go through these seasons of, of times where we feel dry, where we feel like we've lost our way a little bit or we've lost our passion for the Lord. And I want you to know that in this text, in verse 16, go to Revelation 22, verse 16. Put it up for me, please. He says this. He says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. Next verse. Now watch. And the spirit and the bride say, come. Let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirsts come. If you are dry, if you are weary, if it's been a struggle for you, it doesn't have to be. If you come to him, the Bible says, whoever desires, let him take, let him take, of the water of life freely. On the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, while Jesus was still on the earth and they were celebrating tabernacles, Jesus gets up and he shouts and he says these words. He says, if anyone thirsts, let them come to me. The only place you will find true refreshing, healing, joy, peace, and everything you need is when you drink from the true rivers of living water. And the only place you will find that refreshing is in Jesus himself. Yes, he, he, he saved us and we are so grateful. But we do go through those times. And I know that there are people sitting here this morning that you might have been through this. And even going through this series of revelation, it's just been hard for you. It doesn't have to be. Because he is calling you. The Spirit is calling you and saying, come, be at peace, find rest. Come to me and I will give you rivers. I will give you fountains of water, of refreshing, of healing and deliverance. That's the God we serve. Listen, we are supposed to do works because it's a natural thing. It's a desire that comes upon us to please the Lord so we do his works. But let me tell you something, that when... When, when the Bible talks about Mary and Martha, Martha is busy in the kitchen doing all the work for the Lord. And, and Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. And when Martha complains to Jesus and says, listen, my sister's just sitting down and, and, she's, and she's doing nothing. Jesus says to her, she has chosen the better part. That doesn't mean you mustn't serve. That must, doesn't mean you mustn't do things. But what it means is the most important part is to find that refreshing, is to find that fountain of living water that you can only find when you go to Him and the Holy Spirit will flood you with His presence, with His presence. Let's bow our heads.
Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the book of Revelation. And I know, Lord, that your word says that there is a blessing for those who read and understand it. Lord, there are things we still don't understand. But we have an, we have, we have an understanding. We know what's coming. We know what your word says. We understand certain things, Father. Our eyes have been opened. I pray, Lord, that this book will inspire us to walk closer with you. I pray, Father, that if there be anyone in this place that that's life isn't right with you, they don't know that their name is written in the book of life, that this morning, Lord, you will call them to yourself, that you will draw them to yourself so that they can spend eternity with you forever and forever. If you've come into this place this morning and you say, Pastor Alex, my life is not right with God. I don't know if my name is written in the book of life and I want to give my life to Jesus this morning. If that's you, quickly slip your hand up so I can pray for you. Don't be afraid. Just slip your hand up real quick. God bless you. Thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you. Anybody else say, Pastor, I see your hand in the back. God bless you. I see your hand, sir. God bless you. Anybody else say, Pastor, that's me. Include me in this prayer. I need to make my life right with God. I don't know if my name is written in that book of life, but I want to make sure today. God bless you, sir. God bless you. Anybody else? Say, Pastor, include me. I'm not going to drag this out. If that's you and you want to be included in this prayer, quickly slip your hand up so I can pray with you. Anybody else? Say, Pastor, that's me. Thank you, sir. God bless you. Let's all stand. Amen. Amen. Now, if you raised your hand this morning, there is no prayer that is more important than the one you're about to pray. But what's so important, what's most important about this prayer is that you must believe this in your heart as you confess Him with your mouth. And the Bible says you will be saved. Church, let's all pray this prayer this morning. But if you raised your hand, or if you know that you are one of those that I'm talking about, pray this this morning with your whole heart, and the Bible says you will be saved. Let's all say together, Father, Father. Let, me all, let me hear all of you. Father, Father. I, come to you today. I come to you today. I believe, I believe. Jesus, died Jesus died and rose again. He is the Son of God. Forgive me for my sins. Wash me in your blood. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Fill me up, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. I give my heart to you. I give my life to you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now. Just a little while ago, I spoke to you that if you are here this morning and you have felt a weariness on your life, the Bible tells us that there are times of refreshing in His presence, in the presence of God. There's times of restoring. The Spirit and the Bride is calling for you to come, to be refreshed. If you say, Pastor Alex, that's me. I need to be refreshed. I need to find life again in, in the things of God and in the Spirit. Quickly slip your hand up so I can see where you are. Don't be afraid. Quickly slip your hand up. Many hands have gone up. Can I ask you, those of you that raised your hand, don't be afraid. Quickly come to the front. Don't be scared. Come quickly. 
Come quickly. Come, let's give him a big hand. Come on. Come quickly. Come quickly. Come quickly. Amen. Amen. You can face me. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Anybody else say, Pastor Alex, I need to be included in this prayer. I need to be refreshed. If that's you, don't stay in your seat. Come quickly. Come quickly. Come quickly. Don't be afraid. Amen. Amen. There we go. There we go. Amen. Now, guys. The Bible tells us that we must come to Him, and He will give us times of refreshing. And this morning, all of my prayer is for you, is that you will surrender. And you know, when, when, when the Bible says that we must come, when the Spirit of God says come, that means we leave one place and we go to another. And that has to be the decision that you make in your, in your heart, in your life, whether you're standing in the front or standing out there. Only you can decide whether you're going to leave where you are and go somewhere else. And it's a decision that has to come from your heart. And my prayer for you this morning is that you will go further and deeper into times of refreshing and the presence of God like never before in your life you've experienced. And I believe that God wants to do a mighty thing in each and every one of your lives. I'm not going to uh, uh, lay my hands on you. I'm just going to pray a prayer over each and every one of you. Can you stretch your hands out towards them? Just raise your hands, you in the front here, and just believe in your heart. Father, I thank you for each and every one of these. Lord, I pray as your, as your word says, times of refreshing will come. Father, as the Spirit and the Bride says, come. Lord, let these who have come forward find these rivers of life and fountains of living water of refreshing. Lord, just fill them up. Fill them up in the name of Jesus. Fill them up, Lord. Yes, a great work is beginning in your life, sir. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, right now, Joey, just be filled, just be refreshed in Jesus' name. Just be refreshed, just be refreshed in the name of Jesus right now, right now, right now in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name, God's going to do a great work in your family in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, precious lady, precious lady, in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. I know I said I wasn't going to put my hands on them. I changed my mind. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you. Listen to me. Be at peace. Be at rest. You're okay. You're fine. You're okay. You're okay. The Lord is smiling down on you. Just be at peace. In the name of Jesus. Be at peace, ma'am. Just be at peace. Oh, Lord, Jesus, just fill it up, Lord. Times of refreshing. It's a new day for you, hey? It's a new day. It's a new day. It's a new day. Be refreshed. Be made whole. Amen. There he is. Amen. Amen. Just receive it, young man. Bold young man. In the name of Jesus right now. So you're a very precious man. You're a very precious man. In Jesus' name.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Be blessed. Be strengthened. Be made whole. Be refreshed this morning. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Young lady, you've got a long way to go. You've got a long way to go. And the Lord's going to do great things through your life still. Stay close to Him. Don't compromise. Stay close to God and watch what He will do in and through you. I see your hands will cause great restoration to come into the lives of many. Just be encouraged this morning and refreshed this morning. I see like a, like a, like a brand new, almost like a gown that's been put on you from the Lord. Like a gown of, 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 of like, almost like, like holiness or purity that's coming upon you. And the Lord says, you will walk with me all the days of your life. Just bless her, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's give the Lord a big clap. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you guys. Thank you so much. You can go back to your seat. I'm going to pray over you and release you. Father, we thank you. We love you. We honor you. We worship you. I pray that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that the love of the Father and the fellowship with the Holy Spirit be with each and every one of your precious servants in this house. We love you. We honor you. We glorify you in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Next week, we'll dive into some new stuff. Have an awesome week. We'll see you then.